Welcome to the 10-Minute Medic. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Young. This week's episode is entitled Eclampsia, the Stealthy Condition. Eclampsia and preeclampsia is a pregnancy-specific disorder that typically appears after 20 weeks of gestation. It's characterized by new-onset hypertension and protein in the urine. However, it can also present with signs of damage to other organ systems, notably the liver and kidneys. The exact cause of preeclampsia remains elusive. number of theories suggest a combination of factors, including poor placental implantation, abnormal immune responses, genetic predispositions, and blood vessel issues. There are some risk factors that come into play here. These include a history of preeclampsia, chronic hypertension, renal disease, autoimmune disease, as well as first pregnancies. Preeclampsia and eclampsia are serious complications of pregnancy with complex pathologies. Understanding this pathology is crucial for the management and treatment of these conditions. There are a number of factors that are released due to placental ischemia and the systemic response that may lead to directly increase the excitability of the central nervous system, ultimately resolving in seizures. So how do these patients manifest? What are some of their symptoms? Well, first of all, we look at the blood pressure. Blood pressure readings of greater than 140 over 90 are indicative of hypertension in pregnancy. Severe preeclampsia can present with blood pressures of greater than 160 over 110. They'll also have edema, particularly in the hands and the face, and this is a common finding. But you got to keep in mind that edema can be present in normal pregnancies as well. Proteinuria, or protein in the urine. Now, we're not going to assess for this in the field, but a history of protein in the urine from prenatal checks can be a vital clue. So don't be hesitant to ask your patient about this on her prenatal checks. Severe, persistent headaches and visual disturbances like blurring or flashing lights are concerning systems that could be indicators of seizure activity. Pain, especially in the upper right quadrant or epigastric, can indicate liver involvement. Your patient will often have excessive nausea and vomiting becoming more severe than the typical morning sickness. Eclampsia is essentially preeclampsia with the addition of seizures. These seizures are not related to other brain conditions and indicate a severe complication of preeclampsia. Eclampsia is thought to result from cerebral vasospasm and blood vessel injury in the brain, and these are exacerbated or made worse by preeclampsia's hypertension. This leads to cerebral edema and increased ICP, resulting in seizures. Eclamptic seizures are both grandma seizures, which can be life-threatening, to the mom and the fetus. They're often preceded by headaches, visual disturbances, and altered mental status. The key difference lies in the presence of seizures in eclampsia and absent in preeclampsia. Keep in mind that eclampsia represents the progression of the severity of the disease state from preeclampsia. So what is your recognition and uh, treatment priorities for this patient? Well, first of all, we're concerned about seizures. Protect the patient from injuring during seizures. Don't attempt to restrain the patient or place anything in her mouth. Look for the airway. Post-seizure, assess and manage the airway. Be prepared 
for suction and airway adjuncts if you have to. Go ahead and start high-flow oxygen and assist the ventilation if you have to. After the seizure is over, place the patient in the left lateral position, recumbent position to prevent supine hypotension. And then lastly, immediate but safe transport to an emergency facility that can handle OB patients is critical. Preeclampsia and eclampsia represent significant OB emergencies with potentially severe consequences for mom and the baby. Pharmacological management of these conditions is a critical component of their treatment. Let's review the primary pharmacological interventions used in the management of preeclampsia and eclampsia, focusing on their mechanisms, indications, and considerations. Max sulfate is the drug of choice for the prevention and treatment of seizures in eclampsia. Now, it's thought that MAG acts as a central nervous system depressant, reducing neuromuscular transmission and potentially dilating cerebral blood vessels. Now, the exact mechanism by which it prevents seizures is not fully understood. IV MAG sulfate is the preferred route. Loading doses followed by maintenance infusion is the typical regimen. Regular monitoring of the patient's deep tendon reflexes, respiratory rate, and renal function is essential due to the risk of mag toxicity, especially in patients with renal impairment. Conservative fluid management is recommended due to the risk of pulmonary edema, a complication of both preeclampsia and the use of mag sulfate. The dosing regimen for mag sulfate in the treatment of eclampsia is crucial to effectively manage seizures while minimizing the side effects. Let's take a look at it. A typical loading dose is 4 to 6 grams of max sulfate administered IV over 15 to 20 minutes. This rapid administration is critical for achieving a therapeutic window level promptly. After the loading dose, a maintenance dose of 1 to 2 grams per hour is commonly used. This infusion should be continued for 24 hours after the last seizure or until delivery, whichever one is later. Now, we're not going to draw mag levels on our patient in the ambulance, but some of you may be working in a hospital. Now, they're not always necessary, and they, but they should be monitored in patients with renal impairment or if there's a concern for mag toxicity. As a paramedic, you should be vigilant about the following side effects and complications associated with magnesium sulfate, starting with respiratory depression. One of the most serious side effects of mag is respiratory depression. Monitoring the respiratory rate is essential, and rates below 12 breaths per minute are concerning. Max sulfate can cause diminished or absent detempted reflexes. Regularly checking the reflexes, such as the patellar reflex, can help assess for signs of mag toxicity. A decrease in urine output, generally going to be less than 30 milliliters per hour, can indicate renal impairment and an increased risk of mag toxicity. Monitoring urinary output, therefore, is very important. Mag sulfate can cause hypotension and cardiac arrhythmias. Continuous monitoring of the patient's heart rate and blood pressure is necessary. Patients may experience lethargy or a generalized muscle weakness due to elevated mag levels. Your patient may complain of a flushing sensation or a headache they can often occur, but are generally less concerning than the other side effects. So what if you decided that you are in a toxicity situation with a mag sulfate? Calcium gluconate, 
Generally, one gram IV should be available as an antidote for mag sulfite toxicity, particularly in cases of respiratory depression or cardiac arrest. The definitive treatment for preeclampsia and eclampsia is the delivery of the baby. The timing of delivery is a critical decision, balancing the risk of the fetus of premature birth against the risk of the mother of continued preeclampsia or eclampsia. Early identification and treatment of preeclampsia and eclampsia are crucial for ensuring the health and well-being of both mothers and their babies. Timely diagnosis and management can effectively reduce the risk of severe complications, including seizures, organ damage, and even maternal and fetal death. By implementing effective screening practices, healthcare providers such as you, the paramedic, can play a pivotal role in reducing the burdens of these serious pregnancy disorders. I'd like to invite you to join us for our next episode entitled CO2, not just for endotracheal tube placement verification anymore. Entitled carbon dioxide monitoring, a non-invasive technique crucial for paramedics, offers valuable insights into the patient's status and treatment efficacy. It's also instrumental in managing patients with respiratory distress, allowing paramedics to tailor ventilation strategies effectively. In cases of severe asthma, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, entitled CO2 aids in avoiding hypo or hyperventilation. Furthermore, it can be used to monitor sedated patients during procedural interventions. Shout out to Yusef Ahedi for his suggestion of this important topic. Yusef, I'll be in touch with you to get your swag package headed your way. And for the rest of you, if you have any topics you'd like to hear about, visit our Facebook page, The 10-Minute Medic, and leave your suggestions. Thanks for listening.